What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 94, and we'll 94. be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Rite of Passage. Rite of Passage. I, I seem to do that, you know, we just sell, tell the episode number, and then when I get to the title, I get real, real, like, down here. Yeah. Well, Maybe next time I should know. do Rite of Passage! Come <laughs> try it! Oh, we go, we go. This is episode 94. We'll be talking about mm-hmm. Stargate SG-1's episode, Rite of Passage! <laughs> yeah, that would work. That's working. That's working. There hey, friends! Uh, if Welcome. you're sitting, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, "Who are these two kooky dukes, and what are they doing?" Well, guess what? We're an independent podcast. That's right. Nobody can pay us to do this. Hey, <laughs> 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 and if you like what you're hearing, you can help keep the thing independent. We've got a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com. If you want to pay us, we'll. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you're an average. No, here's the deal. No, no, <clears throat> if you okay. want to pay us, we'll we'll take your money, but only if you give us money and with no strings attached, like with Patreon. Patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Um, we try to keep it on the up and up. Like this is not our this is this is not our job. We're not trying to monetize it. Like we're, we're we got the Patreon thing because people like to support things that they enjoy. I am one of those people, and the dollars that we receive are uh, offsetting the cost of Zach's replacement computing device that he had to get a while ago. It's a great cause, friends. It's a great cause. Go ahead and help your favorite podcast. Yeah, I'll say that your your favorite podcast. Help your favorite podcast, which I'm implying is is this one. That's us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just in anyway, case you were uncertain. <laughs> in, in case, in case you all of a sudden were like, "You're right, I should go support that podcast over there." <laughs> I mean, sure, go ahead, do that too. Um, but if you do not want to, or you cannot, um, though, we do have some Patreon only perky perks that uh, we're starting to get rolling uh, right as we speak. Um, well, I mean, they've been going on for a little while, but like the the real like results are like imminent, friends. That's imminent. True story. Um, uh, the, but, uh, we're going to be putting up all the content that we create on our main feed, the main feed, you can you know, eventually, uh, the main feed is everywhere where you can find podcasts with a couple of notable exceptions. Um, Amazon being one of them, somebody else. Oh, Pandora, same thing. I noticed that we could put up on Pandora, but they also are like, oh yeah, we're totally going to put ads in your, in your, in your feed. It's like, Hmm. No, thanks. So, um, yeah. Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify podcasts. Actually, Zach, I haven't checked to see if if Spotify is putting ads in our stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, if friends, if you if hey, here's the thing: if you find out that there's an ad getting put into our podcast, just let me know. Just just uh, send me a little note. I'll take a look. Yes. But podcast aggregators like Pocket Casts, I use Overcast. There's a million of them out there. Um, You'll be able to find the RSS feed pretty easily by just searching for us. You'll always find our content that way. That is our plan. We continue. We're not going to stop doing this. Like, let's just let's just call it. Somebody can come up to us and offer us a million dollars and be like, I'll take your million. And then I'm going to make a new podcast and tell everybody to go to the new one. (laughs) (laughs) The new podcast is called Walking Through a Stargate. Walking Through a Stargate. (laughs) That's actually kind of brilliant. Um, <laughs> so, so Zach, if, yes. if somebody wants to, A, let us know if there's ads hitting our feed, and B, letting us know that they would gladly follow us to walking through a Stargate. 
I guess it would require a new email address, but wh- how can they let us know? <laughs> well, they could email us at walking through the Stargate. Now I'm going to be confused in my oh, head. Oh, did goodness. I make a mistake? Dude, yeah, no, it's the walking through the walking through the Stargate, Stargate at that's uh, W A L K I N G T H R O U G H T H E S T A R G A T E at gmail.com. Yes. <sighs> okay. So yes. Uh, Incidentally, folks, if you think we're a little more punchy than normal, that's because it is uh, late in the evening for us. Yes. For, uh, because we're old. Uh, well, by late, we mean 7.30 in the evening. Look, um, dude. On a Wednesday. When you get up at 5 a.m., this is late, all right? Hey, I, I totally get that. Yesterday, <laughs> I was awake at 3 o'clock. Why? Because oh, my body no. says, you should be awake at 3 o'clock. And I'm like, really? I don't think I want to be. And my body's like, yep, you do. And I'm like, oh, I'm dang. sorry to hear that. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, when when 9 o'clock rolled around, I was oh. really <laughs> I'm sure you were. But that was yesterday. That wasn't today. That's not today. So, uh, in any case, uh, you can email us and tell us all about everything that you want to do. Uh Um, Just a quick note that, especially on Apple Podcasts and other places, you can hit that five-star rating because you think we're great. And you can put a review in there, write a review in there, uh, because those things help those aggregators uh, help other people find us better when you do that. And we love you for it. And... If you do that on yes. Apple Podcast or on another aggregator and you take a screenshot of that and send it to us on our email, which I just said just a little bit ago, we will do a creative re-dramatic re-creation. I can't, re- I can't talk right now, so this will make a it's podcast okay, really interesting. In any case, <laughs> we'll do that for you in the podcast mm-hmm. uh, free of charge. You don't even have to be a Patreon for that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and to tease just a little bit, we got an email earlier yeah. this week that did just that. Uh, one of uh-huh. our European uh-huh. listeners sent us a review. Now, Thank I will say much. that it is a time where we aren't going to be able to do that this week, but it will come next week. Oh, yes. Watch oh, yeah. out for it. It'll be there. It'll be so, there. Uh, you can also, of course, follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, find us on Facebook, Walking Through the Stargate. We have a page there. Go ahead and like, like and follow and all of that stuff. And uh, we also have a Facebook group that you are welcome to join. Just say, please, can I join? And I'll be like, okay. And then you'll be there. And then you can be part of all of the fun things that are happening on. I have a piece of interesting information regarding the Twitterverse. Uh, Yeah, friend of the show, Jacqueline, apparently is watching Stargate with her sister, and Uh uh, I think started at at episode one, and is basically live tweeting it. It's been going on for a few days. Oh, cool. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. So um, I can't recall how a person could find her stuff. um, Whatever. I'm sure that you smarty pants can figure it out. It's just me, Jack. Uh, that sounds right. It's something that like that. That sounds right. But yeah, no, she is. Uh, so yeah, it, it was it was delightful. There's a lot. There's a lot of tweets right now. There's, the the thread's bet. really long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, they got through um, the one with Crystal Jack. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, it's named something funny. It's not named Blue Crystal. Named? No, it's not Blue Crystal. No, no, it's. it's uh, uh, um, there's people right now shouting at their podcast yep. aggregators yep. right now. I, I could look oh, it up, but I'm not going gosh. to. Um, Julie probably knows, but she's not over here. 
you keep going. It's gonna. It's. I'm, all right, I'm looking it up. it up. I'm looking it up. Oh, you're talking. looking it up. Okay. All right. You, you look talking. it up. I'll keep talking. Cold Unfortunately, Lazarus. I, there it that's is. That's it. Cold I Lazarus. Found it. <laughs> oh my gosh! What the heck kind of title was so, that? So, Brent, I yes. have to ask you that yeah. that uh, as somebody who started, you know, SG One relatively recently. Yes. In the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um. And has been trying to stay spoiler-free and all of that stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think done that reasonably successfully. And now you're in season five. And now you're witnessing somebody else watch the first few episodes of the show and kind of getting some some live feedback from that. How does that... What's that like for you? I mean... So, a point of clarification. uh, Jacqueline and her sister... uh, Jacqueline's sister has seen uh, Stargate SG-1, stopped watching it at some point along the along the way. So oh, okay. it's not quite the same. However, um having access to somebody's uh, basically new reaction to that content uh, and and sitting here like going like, "Yep, I know what you're talking about. Yep, that part is a disaster. Yep, that is a good part." You you know like it was so, you know, reading the tweets for emancipation was quite fun. Oh I yeah, say. I bet. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 really uh, that's a great question. I haven't really thought about it, but it is. It, it, it did feel very much like, hey, hey, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> I understand cool. that reference. That's yeah, cool. it's fun. It's fun, and I'm also like, we'll 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 undoubtedly get into it when we talk about this episode. But uh, today was also a day where I was. Starting to think to myself, I wonder if my reaction to this episode is going to be typical or not. And if it is typical, then I don't know. It's people are going to be like, "Yay, it's happening!" or something. I don't know what. But like, (laughs) if it's atypical, then that'll be that. But there's a piece of me that's kind of wondering that the stuff that I'm looking at for this this episode, and again, we'll talk about it. uh, I'm wondering if this is a common reaction to the story at this point. Sure. So, well, well, I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Yeah. I will say this, though, Brent, because this is, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, um, I was seriously thinking about whether or not we should try to go to a con in the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. And obviously 2020 happened, in which case nothing like that could happen. And Correct. so we didn't, naturally. Um, and now I'm looking into the future and mm-hmm. hoping beyond hope that when 2021 comes around, the idea of going to a con might actually be feasible again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking that um, in 2021, in the summer of 2021, we will have gotten through enough of the show that you could probably go to a con and safely stay... uh, Like, like the major spoilers, most of them, will be... um, You'll be cushioned from. I mean, you will have experienced most of the, the... the biggest of the bigs mm-hmm. and and uh, by that point in time and and uh, you know so i don't know just keep that in mind uh as we kind of think things through there um, the thought was also crossing my mind because i was i was imagining for, like okay i admit that this this idea once i thought about it for more than five seconds uh, it sounds actually terrible. Um, but the the idea that crossed my mind was like, you know, as something of a promo for our podcast, it's that you and I go to the convention floor, but I'm like walking around blindfolded. 
<laughs> and people are like, what's up with that guy? And you'd be like, he doesn't, he's like, this is the shtick. He, he has to remain spoiler free. But then I started thinking about what it would be looking like going, being led around by somebody at a con while being blindfolded. Oh, and I'm God. like, uh, that's done and not in that context. And I don't want to, no, this is actually a bad idea. Let's, uh, so, let, let us not so, do this. So if you wanted to do that for like, like 30 minutes, uh, or for something like that <laughs> as a shtick, then, then, you know, we can talk about that, but no, I don't think that you should spend the entire no. con blindfolded. No, um, that would be no. a poor choice. That would be a poor yeah. choice. I wouldn't be able to attend any of the Q and A's. So no. an episode in, in season eight, episode three, where you die, what would you, that? you know, that would be like, Oh, nuts. I don't want to know. About okay. It. Just so we're clear. It's not season eight, episode three. It's season eight, episode five. Duh, come on, get it right. <laughs> it's not walking through a Stargate, Zach. <laughs> I know, it's walking through the Stargate. It's walking Stargate. through the Stargate. It's not Stargate. just any old random Stargate. It is it's the specific, specific Stargate. Definite yep. article here. Come you on. Definite article. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. yeah, we are slap happy. Okay. Um, so, cons, so, yeah, yeah, cons, so, that might be a thing. Um, in any case, uh, as we mentioned last time, mm -hmm. uh, we do have a website in the works. Yes! Uh, yes! And I think we even told ourselves that we would have something like like available when we recorded this episode. Of course, we expected that we would record this on a normal Saturday, and it's a Wednesday, yeah. so no. we have some extra time. Yeah. But suffice uh, to say, yeah, it is fair. coming. It's coming. Uh, it won't actually be like live live until you know sometime in the future, but it's coming. It is. I even looked up um, animated uh, animated hifs. I caught flack for how I pronounced the G I F. So I'm going to go with an H sound. Um, animated hifs. Uh, I found a bunch of them. I found a bunch of the old, like, under construction. Nice. <laughs> so, so what you need to do is put all of them on there. It's it's it, it's it's currently done right now. There is a web page out there with all of them on it. <laughs> yes, it's delightful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we'll see. So. The point is, I found I found it. I found okay. I found it, Zach. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm looking yes. forward to it. So yes. we have that. Um, and, of course, uh, at the top of the show, Brent said this is episode 94. Yes, it and is. And what comes after 94? 95. 95. And what comes after that? 96. 96. And then after that, 97. And then after that, 98. And then after that, 99. 99. And then mm -hmm. what comes after that, Brent? Carry the one. A hundred! A hundred! I knew you could get there. I knew you could do it. A hundred! That's just right around the corner. And as part of the hundredth celebration for us, because, wow, we hit a hundred. I mean, which is kind of yes. cool. And also, cool. of course, uh, it's going to coincide with the hundredth episode of Stargate SG-1. We yep. want you, dear listeners, to write to us. Well, not write. Well, you can. No. But that, that's fine. But, but, yes. but talk to yes. us. Yes. Get onto your phone with your microphone and say something. Say words. Say please. Say, please don't. No, please don't say only <clears throat> something. Words, because that's what Zach told me to say. Well, you know, I mean, if, if that's what it is, then then okay. But but <laughs> this is your opportunity to share with us your experiences of 
uh, the the 100th episode of Stargate. Share your experiences of how you got into Stargate, how you got into this 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 podcast. What where did you find us? I don't know. Whatever. This is yeah. your chance. Keep it at about a minute, please, because you know we get some of these, and and you know then then we'll conglomerate all of these things. Is that a, is that the right way of using that word? Probably not. But no, we'll put them all but together. It'll work together. Yeah. Um, we will build a building. I mean, I with guess you could. I, I guess conglomerate. No, is conglomerate no. a verb? No. I mean, I guess it is. Y- yeah. But a conglomerate well, is a noun. A conglomerate. Yeah. In any what case, mean. yes. What, whatever, whatever appropriate uh, English verbiage requires. <laughs> and if you don't want to, you don't have to do it in English. True. If your native language is something oh, different, oh, that's an interesting idea. Just don't means, swear. Uh, just know that our <laughs> native language is English, and that's it. And so, if you put something in there, uh, keep it clean. I might, I might, uh, I might put it into, uh, uh, I might put the audio into something like Google Translate. Oh, there you go. And then, like, do, and then, oh, but it can also talk back. Oh, I wonder if I could record the talk back. Oh man! Oh wow! This is, so, I know, right? So, this is actually sounding like a fun idea. <laughs> there are all sorts of options out there. So please, we have some emails already with some recordings, and we yes. say thank you very much to thank those. Thank you, and we invite all of you, dear listeners, to uh, go ahead and uh, take this time to say you can be podcast famous too. Yes, and, uh, and uh, send true. those in to us. So it's true. It's true. True. All right. Well, Brent. Yes. Shall we, 17 minutes into this podcast, <laughs> dig into the actual episode, Rite of Passage? Let's do a Rite of Passage. All right. So, the background for this episode, the director for this episode is none other than Peter DeLuise. This yeah. is his third of eight episodes this season. Congratulations, Peter DeLuise. Yes, yes. The teleplay for this episode is by none other than Heather E. Ash. Heather uh-huh. E. Ash got her start in Stargate World by writing for Learning Curve. None uh-huh. of these facts, I mean, the, the episodes are correct, but then the rest of it, I'm just making that thing up. After that, she did Foothold and New Ground in the third season. She followed that up with one episode of the fourth season, Beneath the Surface. Not yes. her best work, but it was okay. And now, today, we will be reviewing her final Stargate episode. Episode um, Rite of Passage. Gotcha. Gotcha. Also, congratulations, stick a pin. Heather, for yeah, all stick you a have pin done. in that it is Heather E. Ash who wrote this teleplay. Yes. Because okay. I think that matters to me. Anyway, carry on. Cool. All right. So we have a few guest actors to talk about. Mm-hmm. We have Colleen Renison, who plays mm-hmm. Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colleen was born in uh, on December 2nd, 1987, in Canada. Uh, she is an actress known for Boot Camp in 2008, uh, Down River 2013, and then, of course, Stargate SG-1. This mm-hmm. is her second time on Stargate SG-1. However, the mm-hmm. first time, she was not Cassandra, although we mm-hmm. have seen Cassandra a few other times. Mm-hmm. Colleen actually played Allie in what Brent thinks is the height of television, it the is. episode Bane. There is literally no other television better than that episode. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Sure. You simply the best, and part of the reason it is the best is because, uh, because Colleen Renison plays a streetwise tough. Ah, well, there is yep. some truth to that. Yes. Um, the original Nobody actor tougher. who played um, 
who played Cassie was um, Katie Stewart, and uh, she was doing something other project at this point in time, and so was not available for this. Gotcha. So they went and they got uh, uh, Colleen Renison for it, and, mm-hmm. and she did a great job with it. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's Colleen. We have Jacqueline Samuda, who plays Nearty. Mm-hmm. She was born in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, she, but she grew up also in the United States and Canada. She received a BFA degree in performance from York University in Toronto. She is a Dramalogue Award winning winner for directing George F. Walker's play Zestrozzi uh, hmm. at Company of Angels Theater in Los Angeles. Uh, we saw it's pronounced, it's pronounced Zestrozzi. <laughs> I like Zestrozzi. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, I, took I, us I would a like joke. to point out that that uh, it's late at night. So it, it is well, it's late for us. Uh, and taking us further off, I was realizing the other day uh, when we were signing off with our uh, with our interview with uh, Joe Malazzi, um, he uh, he said, "Hey, let's do it after season five. And I'm like, uh, "We're going to do that, you know." Like I'm going to ask you, and Zach, we can ask him. We can literally ask him himself. How do you pronounce your last? How name? How do you pronounce your last name? We can there get you an go. We can, yeah, that's right. There you go. Yes. So uh, your job, Brent, is to remember yeah. that question until we talk to him again. Believe you me, dude. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, hey, Mr. Famous Person, can we oh, talk to you again? Can we please, 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 please? Okay. So um, uh, we saw Nearty, Jacqueline Samuda, uh, uh, first on Stargate in the episode Fair Game. She was one of the system lords who was there mm-hmm. to negotiate the... Uh, 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 uh the treaty the thing. Treaty. Gosh, no, yeah. I'm uh, protected worlds thing. Protected planets. There it is. That's protected it. planets treaty with the Asgard. Whew. Oh, just about had to take away my it, Stargate card, but I pulled <laughs> it back into my hand. That's all right. That's right. You're, you're training an apprentice. I got I had your back. Yeah, there you go. See, I was just trying to give you the opportunity to Thank you. Ah, thanks. Yeah. Um, uh, we then also heard about her earlier than that in the episode Singularity, which, of course, is the uh, prequel, for lack of a better term, for this oh, episode. Oh, right. And that was, I remember now that you were saying that Teal'c accidentally uh, gendered Nearty as a he. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, we're going to see her later. And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't, uh, sure, I guess. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, Nearty. Like, there she is. Like, I get it now. And so listening Indeed. to listening to Teal'c misgender uh, Nearty in Singularity probably was kind of funny. I mean, you know, somebody could easily say, well, we never saw Nearty at that point in time. And it's possible Nearty was a male because, you know, Gua'uld can True. be in either whatever hopes. Yeah, that's but, right. You know, and and as of course we know in this episode that Nearty is working to try to find uh, a Hoktar or an advanced host for herself or himself yes. or whatever she is, and so yes. maybe she doesn't care whether it's female or male or whatnot. And right. you know who knows? I don't know. But we in don't any know. Case. Anyway, uh, suffice it to say, uh, this is not the last time we will see Nearty. Mm-hmm. All right, and then we have Richard De Klerk, who played mm-hmm. Dominic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was that boy in the beginning. He was mm-hmm. ni- ni- born in 1984. Uh, he apparently played the character Joe in the episode One False Step, which we were talking about earlier today, Brent. Um, yeah. And I was Joe. desperately trying to remember who Joe was in that episode, and I cannot remember, and I haven't had, had time to go back and look it up. Uh, was that? But, 
one of the maybe was that one of the names or nicknames of one of the one of the dudes on the planet one of the it's aliens it's possible it's possible um because i don't think we saw anybody else other than the see, dudes uh, yeah on the planet. um so i don't know Man. i can't remember in any case, uh in 2009 uh he starred in the award-winning film cole he received mm-hmm. a 2010 leo award nomination for best lead uh performance by a male in a feature-length drama for his portrayal in that role. Hmm. Um, he's received the Best Actor Award in the UK for a starring role in the feature film Part of the Game. Uh, let's see here. He's done lots of recurring stuff, including The Listener, Cedar Grove, Stargate, Supernatural Andromeda, Cold Squad. Um, other big uh, screen credits include uh, Bang, uh, Bang, Bang, You're Dead, and Mr. Rice's Secret. Uh, he is also oh. the senior vice president and the part owner of the development, part owner and the development executive of Rampart Films, which is a Vancouver and Los Angeles-based production company whose mission is to produce commercially viable, thought-provoking feature films and documentaries. Gotcha. Okay. So he played in his, his first IMDb credit came in 1998 when he played Todd Doyle in the TV show Viper which I believe is a TV show about cars that are... Like, oh, like a Dodge Viper? Yeah. Huh. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, vroom, and, vroom. of course, as we look at guest actors, uh, we just need to make sure to note that Terrell Rothery, Dr. Janet Frazier, is in this episode, and this is a heavy Dr. Frazier episode. Uh, uh, like, how is somebody... Whatever. Like, how, how, how somebody is... Listed as a guest actor and a main act, whatever. Tara Rothery is like all over Stargate SG One. Oh, absolutely, she is. Absolutely, she is. She she has as much screen time, nearly, as uh, Don S. Davis as General Hammond. Yes. Anyway, um, all right. But but then you know you look at uh, BSG, um, and that being a you know cast a huge cast. Um, they only had like six or eight people who were technically title characters, um, and yet yeah, yeah. Um, you wouldn't know it by the stories they told and the actors they used because yeah, that's true. Yeah, a whole bunch of people were were guest actors technically, but they were regulars on the show. Mm-hmm. So, in mm-hmm. any case, there you go. There the original go. air date for Rite of Passage was August third, two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Number one in the charts in the U.S., they were listening to Bootylicious by uh-huh. Destiny's Child. My body's too bootylicious for you, baby. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're in the U.K., they were listening to Eternal Flame by Atomic Kitten. Hey! Atomic Kitten again! <laughs> she is back. Well, they are back. They uh, are back. So, so <clears throat> they, we had Zach. to look this up this morning, Julie and I, yeah. and, and, we, and I listened to this, and I'm like... Oh, uh, 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 uh. and I'm like, oh, okay, you're, you're now making, I gotta listen to the original noises. Eternal Flame by the Bangles, and I'm yes. like, okay, that's better. So, uh, so now you know. I mean, I, I was I was thinking to myself, like, I'm wondering if this is the the uh, cover. Um, so, yeah, indeed it is. Which means that you can now go through the box office knowing precisely what the music yeah. is in the background right now. So. The eternal flame. It's just kind of. It's right here. Right. It's not too fast. It's right here. Not too yep. slow. 
And, and this is really not what you get when you watch the number one movie this weekend, which is Rush Hour 2. Which is super fast and crazy and That's wacky true. and nuts because, yep. you know, you've got Chris Tucker and, and, and Jackie Chan going yep. crazy. And yep. it's almost as if they're on the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and after we have realized that the Planet of the Apes is back to Earth, we come back to that nice, calm, eternal flame with the Princess Diaries. Uh, and okay. then we realize yeah. uh-huh. that, that that princesses can be eaten by, by giant lizards just like anybody else. And so in Jurassic Park 3, they eat... No, I don't know. Wow. They don't really eat any princesses wow, that, in that. Yeah, but they that do eat things and people. So Jurassic uh-huh. Park 3 is number four. And then, and then, because this is an eternal flame and we can't ever get rid of an eternal flame, we come back to America's Sweethearts. Jeez. How was that? That was... That was terrible. That was terrible. Oh, no, come terrible. on. Come on. <laughs> I you mean, liked it. A for effort. Look, I love jokes that make me go, oh, gosh. So, so I have yeah. a friend um, who I try to convince that he should listen to the show, but he doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. And anyway, you know <laughs> how much he likes a pun or bad joke when, uh, depending on how much he tells you he hates you. If he's like, uh-huh. I hate you, you know it was great. Yes. And he's like, I hate you. You know, I mean, then it so, was all right. It was so, if, you know, so that, that's, that's his way, of, that's his language. That's his, that's his language. That's his language. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, gee, oh. thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I try to be a bit more direct. <laughs> what happened? Uh, in yes. early August 2001, August 1, Bulgaria, Cyprus, Latvia, Malta, Slovenia, and Slovakia joined the European Environment Agent- Agency. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, congratulations, you. Uh, on August 1, also, the Alabama Supreme Court Chief, Chief Justice Roy Moore has a Ten Commandments monument installed in the Judiciary Building, uh-huh. leading to a lawsuit to have it removed and his own removal from the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a big hubbaloo back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple of days later, on August 3rd, um, uh, same day this episode aired, the real IRA detonate a car bomb in Ealing, London, injuring seven people. Mm-hmm. Not the fake IRA, the real one. Yeah, no, those other guys, uh, they, they, they threw in the towel at this point. Yeah. The other yeah. IRA. Yeah. Um, also on August 3rd, U.S. President George W. Bush signs into law the Iran and Libya Sanctions Act, Extension Act of 2001. Okay. So, uh, we are still going to sanction them. We're going to extend it. We're going to extend it. On August 4th, the Australian cricket spinner Shane Warney skittles England 162 with 6 to six over 33 to guide <laughs> tourists to a seven-wicked third test victory at Trent Bridge. Aussies regain ashes with record seventh straight test win versus England. How'd I do? Um, uh, to be honest, I don't know if... Six over 33 is the way to say it, one way or the other. I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, I've never heard the word Skittles being used in a cricket match. But okay. granted, I mean, I don't, I don't watch a whole lot of cricket. So, you know. I, I have to admit that I didn't produce that word. I copied that straight from I the believe source. it. 
to guide tourists. So that must be the, the yeah. So Australian, yeah, tourists. So that's a, that's a great word for the away team. Uh, to a seven wicket third test, so the nuts so they were in their third test. A test is is, is a match. Okay. Uh, third test victory at Trent Bridge, which you know, okay, that's the location. Aussies regain ashes. So the the ashes is a uh, is a. Oh, cricket, I knew like, that. Cup. That's like that's like 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 yeah. It's their the it's like the uh, yeah. It, I knew it's, that. It's a big deal. Yep. Uh, to win seventh straight test win versus England. Uh, seven wicket third test victory. Seventh straight test win. So I don't know if that means that like they like they won four before this one started, or if this is like you know like a test is more than just a single match, but also like a series of matches. Whatever. I, yeah. Like Australia was like beating the pants off of England in cricket at this time. I remember. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Also on August fourth. James Bond actor Pierce Brosnan, who was 49, weds TV host and journalist Keely Shea Smith, who was 37, at the 785-year-old Ballantubber Abbey in County Mayo, Ireland. Very nice. Congratulations. Congratulations, Pierce and Keely. And on August 5th, the Cleveland Indians tie a Major League Baseball record in, erase, in erasing a 12-run Seattle lead to win... 1514. Wow. Also preventing the Mariners from reaching a record 117 wins. Which surely they got to because there's a lot of baseball to play after August 5th. <laughs> but not that day. But not, not that, that day. day. It is Cleveland not this Indians. day. It is not this day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Racing a 12 run lead. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yep. So, um,. That's what we have for this. Um, we already talked about uh, Colleen Renison playing uh, Allie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, chess piece that is used in that, uh, their original idea was just to hang it on a string and have it spin. And there is yeah. one tiny little scene where you kind of see it do that. But that didn't look very good. And so uh, the rest of the chess piece spinning around is actually all CG. Yeah. I was wondering, I, 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 and I seem to recall that uh, rendering a chess piece is kind of like a, I seem to see it done often with uh, CG demos. Like sure. it's, it's, it's complex, but not too complex. And it's, you know, it's, it's a single object. It's not like that chess piece can be mobile in any other way other than its entirety. So it's, you know, but anyway, yes. Yeah. But, but it did look good. Looked it really looked good. really good. Um, also, uh, when Carter says to Cassandra uh, that I'll see you until your head starts spinning, and probably even then, is of course a reference to The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Um, there we have it. Uh, this episode in other languages, the title is mm-hmm. in French, mm-hmm. Rite of Initiation. The Hungarians mm-hmm. call it The Way of Change, Italians hmm. call it Fire of the Mind. Spanish following the French <laughs> rite of initiation. The mm-hmm. Czech just say initiation. Mm-hmm. And the Germans say das Übergangsritual, which is the rite of passage. Oh, nuts. They missed there you have it. Yeah. All they right. could have called it uh, Cassie, Cassie Saved by Nierti. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> they could have. They, they could have. <laughs> Cassie turns into a hawk tar, Almost. Almost. Not quite. Not quite hawk tar. Not not quite. All right. Just just normal tar. (laughs) So. (laughs) Cassie has always been a tar. 
<laughs> She's been tar. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay, so shall we dig into the synopsis here? Yes, please. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Happy birthday to... Wait, we can't sing that, can we? Uh, doesn't really matter because the birthday girl wasn't there anyway. Cassie, who, you know, wasn't there. Uh, but she would, she, would, she would rather hang out with Dominic than with her mother and with Sam. The battle of wills between mother and daughter has begun. Who will break first? The mother wins round one, but not before the daughter has a chance to say goodbye to Dominic. And so, on the porch, frustrated that she cannot just leave with her almost boyfriend, he gives her a crystal (laughs) prism and a kiss for her birthday. But the kiss literally causes explosions. The lights flicker, and Cassie falls over unconscious. The adults run out on the porch and interrogate the boy and are deeply concerned with the birthday girl. You kissed her? Cassie? Cassie? Are you okay, Cassie? Rather than taking her to the hospital, they take her to Stargate Command because, you know, reasons, plot, story, plot stuff. Reasons. Uh, Cassie wants to go into the forest. Dr. Frazier discovers that her daughter is suffering the effects of an unknown retrovirus. And, of course, because plot and all of that stuff and she's in the SGC, the assumption of the day is that the retrovirus comes from Cassie's original home planet of Hanka. More research later, Dr. Jackson discovers that on Hanka, before Nietzsche killed everyone on the planet except for Cassie, some of the teens would get sick. They would be drawn into the forest. And so they would go into the forest and they would come back a few days later and be fine. And the village elders said that it was normal among their people. And Cassie wants to go into the forest. In an effort to figure out what's wrong with her, SG-1 goes back to Hanka to explore the forest. And they find a strange sight. A glowing handprint on a tree that magically lights a fire when it is touched. And while standing or sitting by the fire, the targets, in this case Teal'c and O'Neill, are ringed into an underground ghouled lab. Teal'c surmises immediately that the lab belongs to Nearty. And it doesn't take long before Daniel and Sam join them in the lab. They search. Daniel finds a record tablet confirming that this was in fact Nearty's lab, as well as information about Hoktar, which means advanced human. But don't worry, we don't find that out until the next act. So just just hang on to that. Suddenly the rings activate, but no one appears to come through. Daniel thinks he accidentally activated them, but Jack orders says, hey, we've got everything, so let's gather it up and go back to the SGC. As they leave, something unknown to them watches their action. Dun, dun, dun. Cassie wants to leave and she makes it out to the hallway before she explodes even more light bulbs. You see, this retrovirus is causing Cassie to create her very own electromagnetic field. Magnets. Because magnets. Magnets. Cassie is restrained by a couple of SFs and is returned to her bed in the infirmary. Well, It's the infirmary bed inside the observation room, which is shielded from electromagnetic spikes, which is good because she's producing electromagnetic spikes, and and we need to keep our light bulbs safe. And magnets. And magnets. Magnets. It's Saturday, and every other Saturday, Sam visits Cassie, and they play chess. Ergo, the major brings the chess set when she visits Cassie's bed. Cassie isn't doing well, but she wants whatever is happening to run its course. And she caps it all off by simply levitating one of the chess pieces, a knight or a horse, as O'Neill calls it, right into her hand. 
She then proceeds to spin the knight in the air as a means of channeling the excess heat and energy coursing through her body. How does she do it? Nobody knows, but she's doing it. That's pretty cool. In the conference room, Daniel explains that Nirti was running experiments on the people of Hanka. She was trying to make an advanced host with supernatural powers, and she was willing to work on a generational level to do it. But when SGC personnel arrived four years ago, she decided to clearly destroy the experiment to prevent anyone from discovering what she was up to. Dr. Fraser was back at work trying to find a cure, but to no avail. But she's not alone. There's someone or something invisible watching over her work, studying her findings. Who could it be? It's Nearty. Nearty is on the base seeking for more information about Cassie's condition. It's Nearty. Someone attacks Cassie and the guards guarding her. And she realizes that it's that there's an invisible Guawuld on the base. Her screams prevent Nirti from doing anything particularly bad, you know, although there were some FFs lying unconscious on the floor, maybe some blood there. We don't know for sure, but I'm sure they're gonna be fine. Daniel puts the pieces together. Kronos is dead. He was holding Nirti prisoner, and now that he's dead, he can't do that anymore, and so she's clearly on the loose and is now trying to continue her experiments. And so they pull out the TERs, that is the transphasic eradication rods, and the Zat guns, and they begin a systematic sweep of the base looking for the Goa'uld. Don't kill her, and stay in radio contact. Jack decides to stay with Cassie. After all, she chased off Nirti once, and so that's probably the safest place to be. As the sweep continues, suddenly O'Neill is attacked by an invisible foe, but he's able to best the assailant and knocks her out with his own Zat gun. With Nearty captured, the all clear is called. In a holding cell, Nearty claims that she can cure Cassie, but she'll only do it if she's released, along with her invisibility device, as well as a sample of Cassie's blood. Hammond says no. Janet becomes more and more desperate, watching her daughter dying in front of her. She decides to take things into her own hands. She pulls a gun on Nearty and demands her help in saving her daughter. Meanwhile, Hammond and SG-1 are in the conference room discussing what they should do. Teal'c suggests that Nearty's intel is too valuable to just let go. Jack, Sam, and Daniel argue that they're no longer the good guys if they don't do something to save Cassie, or at least try to save Cassie. But before Hammond can make his decision, he is called to the holding cell to witness Janet's desperation. The negotiation with the former system lord continues. In exchange for her freedom, Nearty will save Cassie's life. But there is no cloaking device and there is no blood sample. Nearty initially refuses and doesn't trust Hammond's offer. But he adds, quite simply, that Cassie's mother is holding the gun on her. She may want to reconsider. Nearty does. And she tries to heal Cassie, but says it's too late. Frazier insists she tries again and gives her the evil mom eyes. Urgh, do it! <laughs> the ghoul does, and this time Cassie's fever quickly drops and the teen regains consciousness. Woohoo! The day is saved! Woo! O'Neill honors their agreement and escorts Nearty to the gate. Nearty, however, admits that she probably would not have honored their agreement if their positions were reversed. She also warns that she'll have to just begin her experiments again without the blood sample and all that stuff. So, with the gate open, she walks through. Back in the infirmary, Carter 
teases Cassie about how she kissed Dominic and the lights literally exploded. And they start playing chess while Fraser smiles joyfully. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Or, as the Germans call it, the rite of passage. <laughs> What'd you think? Um, so, I wanted to stick that pin in <clears throat> that Heather Ash wrote this teleplay. And the reason yep. why is because this was an episode that uh, had a lot of complexity to it but at first i was struggling to figure out what this episode was trying to talk about and i was glad to learn that heather ash wrote it because um she wrote uh one of my absolute favorites learning curve mm-hmm. but the reason why it's one of my absolute favorites is because it genuinely asks what i think is a wonderful question in a way that does that question great service um, and then there was another one that she wrote and that I was pretty positive on, but it was also kind of a thinker, but I can't remember which one it was off the top. I mean, I, I know I could scroll up to see the ones, but I just literally don't remember which one of those it was, but that's, not well, it was either foothold, new ground or beneath the, probably new ground is the one that you're talking probably new about. Ground, yeah. Anyway. Um, so the, the reason why I was struggling to figure out what this episode was about, because I couldn't quite figure out if this was a story for a person who views him or herself as a parent and is, you know, learning how to let go uh, and and failing, uh, even even being so blunt on the point of, you know, you have to let go and Janet being like, I can't. Um, Or if this is a story that is meant to be absorbed by people who identify as the children in this case uh you know a sympathetic voice that uh says yeah there there are there sometimes sometimes those adults just don't get you and you're right um i think it's the former rather than the latter but i i was struggling to figure out which direction that was going and that part of the story kind of dominated the well the whole story frankly but like it really dominated the first half that's for sure Mm-hmm. And then overtones of that were through the rest of the story. So I was struggling with that one a little bit. <clears throat> then there was sort of the, the, the big thought that I had in the second half of the episode, which might be a little bit controversial. And that is, um, I think I might be on Colonel Simmons's team. SGC is a bit unruly, and SG1 are pretty much kind of acting like they don't have a boss, and Hammond is kind of letting it go. And I think the reason why I think that is because uh, Hammond put the original position that said, look, I think it was Hammond. Um, that said, look, yeah, I get it. If we don't let Nearty go, then we very well may lose Cassandra. But we can't let a Gould go. Like, <laughs> like this is kind of a big flipping deal. Um, and you know, obviously, of course, in the course of this episode, um, it's the will of our heroes that ends up happening. Even though that 
flies in the face of what the organization is trying to do, at least on paper. Um, and and I might be doing a little bit too much meta reading into it, knowing that there is, uh, you know, knowing that there is this brewing tension that's happening. Um, and I found myself thinking to myself after having watched this episode, uh, that I am not liking where these characters are going. And I, as I thought that I was like, huh? So either I'm way off base because I know that the fandom adores these characters. Uh, and I and I could be way off base. Um, or maybe I'm not way off base. And this is a part of this story where that's kind of that's kind of the point. Um, that you're that a person is supposed to be a little like, uh, I mean, yeah, we win, but um, do we really? Because yeah, sure, we get to watch O'Neill kind of give down an icy stare to a to a ghouled, uh, on footing that is almost equal. Um, that it's that it's our heroes' good graces that are allowing this ghoul to escape, and the ghoul literally says, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to restart my experiments on a bunch of unsuspecting people." So basically, torturing millions of people once again, or at least hundreds. Um, for the sole purpose of trying to manipulate them into becoming superhuman so that I can become even more powerful. Bye. And we're like, yeah, see ya. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, my first reaction to that was, uh, a little bit of incredulity, like, wait, what? They wouldn't do that. Um, so my initial reaction to this episode was that I didn't really like it. I was just like, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the good stuff is still good. The acting is still good. You know, like there's a lot about it that's still good, but um, I'm not happy with the direction that these characters are going. And therefore, at first, I was looking at it like this isn't true to who these characters are. And then I got to thinking about it and I'm like, well, I don't know if it's not true. I don't want it to be true. <laughs> I, I don't want them to be like this, but I'm not sure that the story has not been guiding me to this point where hmm. mm-hmm. they're a little rogue. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing. And so, you know, when I say that I'm a, that I think I'm on Colonel Simmons's team right now, I'm being a little inflammatory, but um, just I'm a kind of not. I'm kind of not. Like, I don't like the footing that the team is on right now. And instead of chalking it up to bad writing... I don't think it's bad writing. Uh, Heather Ash produced some pretty good teleplays. Um, she's not a slouch. And the char- the actors know their characters. They aren't slouches either. And this thing was developed by Peter DeLuise. He's no slouch. So I'm pretty sure this wasn't an accident. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this wasn't just some kind of big mistake. And so, yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm not sure how I'm not sure how I feel about this thing. They're really acting with their own motivations in mind and not thinking about a bigger picture right now. And uh, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. Mm. So I'll stop there and ask you what you think. Wow. Um. <clears throat> So one of the joys of this podcast is that I literally have no idea 
how you're going to respond to any of these episodes. <laughs> um, and, and when it comes to our show notes and whatnot, this part is generally blank for both of us. Occasionally, yes. one of us will put some notes here or there to remind us of something. But mostly, this is just kind of off-the-cuff stuff. Um, yeah. And so, uh, I wasn't expecting your thoughts. Um, okay. Yeah. So, no, I... And, and, but I actually, I don't... So... Um, regarding this episode, yeah, I think this is a good episode. I don't think it's a great episode. As I was mm-hmm. watching it today, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, this episode is better than what I remember it being. So, um, we'll let that sit there as it is. Yes, yes. Um, these characters, despite being so, so our heroes are all basically chaotic good. Yes. Uh, none of them are lawful good. Um, nope. And I don't think any of them are even so far as just simply neutral good. Uh, Teal'c might be neutral good. Um, yeah, and I, I'd put him in the neutral good character. You could put yeah. him in the mm-hmm. neutral good, but certainly O'Neill oh, he's um, chaotic. is chaotic <laughs> good. And, he solves uh, problems with C4. That's yeah, <laughs> well, but it's not just... It's not just that that makes him chaotic. <laughs> no, but it's um, a good indicator. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, it, it's it's possible that that. No, I think they're all probably just chaotic good. I mean, you could maybe make the argument that that in some situations they they fall. Uh, sure, Sam like Jack, most people, do. Sam and yeah, Daniel yeah. fall into neutral good, perhaps. But uh, what does that mean? So I'm using all of these terms from role playing games, and I'm assuming that I know you do, Brent, but. Dear listener, may or may not fully know this. Um, these are axes for role-playing games. Uh, you've got lawful, neutral, and good, or lawful, neutral, and chaotic, evil, neutral, and good. And these are two different axes that kind of help guide the the moral um, uh, compass of your character uh, when you're making a role-playing game. Kind of figure out, um, you know, who is this person that you're playing? Mm-hmm. Um, how do they respond to different things? Mm-hmm. Um and this is definitely an episode where uh, their strong personal feelings toward Cassie yep. um, override any possible idea of doing anything, um, you know, ex- with the exception of, of Teal, who does say, you know, it would be sad to lose Cassie. That'd be awful. I would hate that. But we have near T, and she has a lot of good intel, and we can't let yeah. that go. Right. Um, so this is something um, that you get that. On the flip side, though, um, these are heroes, and we want our heroes to do uh, the... Our heroes are not allowed to just let innocent kids die. Stick a pin in that. I know what you're saying, but I think that's worth unpacking. Okay, that's fine. Um, and given that... Uh, here we have a story of the heroes having to do what they need to do in order to ensure that the kid doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I, one of the strengths of SG One, especially in Stargate in general, is that it does not take itself too seriously most of the time. Mm-hmm. It allows itself to have fun and to just kind of play. 
right. contrast this with, uh, say, Battlestar Galactica, which is something that we have done. Uh, yep. And Battlestar Galactica is super duper serious. Yes. It knows, I mean, and so it's it's gritty, it's raw, it it, it it's hard. The, the The moral decisions are right there, and and they mm-hmm. wrestle with them mm-hmm. day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm attracted to that kind of storytelling. And you get a good mix of that in Star Trek. Stargate uh, has always been a show that if it has to lean one way or the other, it will lean towards having fun than asking moral questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that doesn't mean that they don't ask moral questions, obviously. Right. Um, But I think this is certainly a situation where... And I, uh, that that they're looking to tell a story that that's reasonably fun, um, sure. And they're not looking to uh, to solve the moral dilemmas. I guess that's how I would respond to to uh, your thoughts. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to get into the um, they're not going to let the innocent child die. But before we get into that, I think then if if this isn't uh, if this isn't a story that is a piece of a larger story that kind of is talking about this um, change for the worse in the SGC, then I'm left with this episode being a story about a beloved character being a torpy teenager. Uh and that story being manifested by this 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 thing that is unknowable that all the adults in her life are unable to uh wrestle with and as a result are forced to uh acknowledge their own um inabilities in dealing with it uh which then is just basically kind of a little you know then now we're just talking about a little riff of a story that you tell adults about how yep teenagers are going to be teenagers man and you're going to have to deal with it and they are going to be convinced that you don't know anything about what they are going through and in some degrees they're wrong and in some degrees they're right and here's a little story that's kind of a that's kind of a, a fable on that um and if that's all this story is well then it's kind of bleh. You know, I'm like, meh, all right, fine. Yep. You know, teenagers, man, what are you going to do? Parents, <laughs> they just don't understand. Like, you know, like, and that's 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 where I'm at. And it's like, all right, fine. Um, And then the near T thing just kind of doesn't matter. Um, That she was doing experiments on the people of P3X 9 or 9 or 2, you know, doesn't doesn't matter. Um, That she gets away barely matters. Uh. You know, the exposition of the story of like, you know, like what, what what she was trying to do it matters. But like, you know, she's reset to zero in that effort. So, mm. you know, um, th- so there's, there's a lot about it that's like, eh, all right, well, I guess I guess this happened. Um, and that doesn't feel particularly satisfying. And that's kind of where I was at a little bit immediately after the episode ended. Um, only in thinking about it for a little bit that I start to say to myself, oh, wait a minute. Um am I supposed to feel comfortable with the actions of the SG one team? Because I don't. Um, and if my discomfort is actually intentional, well then that's kind of brilliant. Um, if my discomfort is just happenstance, well then it, then it is. 
Uh, and it still might play into the grand story, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's it just feels a little less. It feels a little less great. Um, so yeah, I'm still not sure, and I get it. I I understand. I'm really banking my enjoyment on this episode about what may or may not happen in the future. You know exactly what's going to happen in the future. You can't say anything to me about this. You can't even react to this idea that I have. So as a result, I'm, you know, I'm looking. I'm looking in my crystal ball, trying to anticipate what I think the storyline is going to do and in choosing to interpret this one episode, excuse me, this one episode in that framework. Right. And I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. I mean, I can see it cut in two ways. So, yeah. So, so, you know, I appreciate you not spoiling. (laughs) So so I genuinely appreciate you not spoiling it. This, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to try not to spoil anything in particular. Sure. Um, so what Nearty is trying to do matters. Okay. Um, beyond that, I can't say much more on the uh, sure. the building blocks that, that are and aren't in this one that move forward. This is an episode that um, gave the actors and the writers and the directors a chance to uh, do a few things. To explore... Uh, uh, Janet's home life to yep. to uh, dig into the relationships between Janet and and Sam and bringing in Cassie yes. to this mix. Yep, uh, saying hello to Cassie to revisit Cassie, um, which actually works well in the fact that we want to bring in Nearty to uh, recognize that what she does, what she is doing, matters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so. When it's all said and done, um, what you have is Cassie is still some sort of Hoktar. She's still advanced. I mean, the the yep. changes in her DNA, um, you know, she didn't get reset to zero. I mean, she doesn't have apparently the ability to uh, move things with her mind anymore. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the genetics that are there uh, that have changed aren't still there. Um, if the show lasted until we saw her kids in action, uh, which it hasn't so far, um, it would be legitimate to ask the question, uh, do those children uh, have the same retrovirus and could possibly be something uh, that transforms them a little bit further along in this process? Um, Obviously, we don't get those questions because... This isn't a story about Cassie, and we don't see what happens to Cassie in 20 years from now when mm-hmm. her kids, when or you know, 25 years, whatever it is, when her kids are her age. Um, so, but those are legitimate questions to to have in there. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. helpful uh, and not spoilery. So I appreciate that. Um, so then, so then, yeah, so then, where I'm at with it, and then, all right. So I, 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 I just know in my bones that I am going to feel differently about this episode after I watch uh, the many more seasons that are in front of us. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, it is what it is. Uh, I am who I am, and having watched the episode, I am more focused and more concerned about. SG-1 exerting its influence over the SGC in such a way as to diminish the actual goal of the organization because they don't want to let an innocent child die. Like, that grates me. 
And I get it. It's Cassie. I get it. This is the same character. And this is the same character and the same dynamic, which reduced me to tears when I saw Sam run back through the elevator to give her a hug when she was about to go kablooey because we don't do that. Like, we don't let that happen. I 100%, 100% acknowledge that here I am literally arguing the opposite, like flipping <laughs> it right around. And for me, it's because in that moment, there was a direct order that was disobeyed, and it was disobeyed because we just can't live with ourselves if we were to follow the order. Even though the order was sensible and the order uh, was logical in the scope of what the work was being done. Here we have a situation where the general of the entire operation starts with the position of, I get it, it's a tragedy, but come on, we can't. We can't let Nier T go. That's ridiculous. Because General Hammond, it is ridiculous. And the bargain that is made, like, it 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 feels cavalier, but that still is in keeping. Like I said, as I was thinking about it, it's like I don't feel like any of these characters are outside of their motivation. Like I don't feel right now that this was a poorly written episode. That 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 somehow this episode just got it wrong. I don't think right. so in the least. So as a result, I'm sitting here with like, oh, well, then I'm actually not really happy. <laughs> like. I'm, I'm I'm not particularly pleased with 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 how this thing is going. Let me let me offer a different perspective on sure. what they're doing and perhaps even why they're doing it. Um, and you can buy it or not, and it may or may not change your thoughts. But let me sure. let me uh, approach it like this. So, um, as you know, I'm a theologian. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. Which makes me a Christian theologian, um, but beyond you know that's anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have been studying the Book of Revelation, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the things that makes Revelation really fascinating is um, is looking at it um, and, and and seeing how. Uh, God operates in the world differently, or how Christ, the Lamb, uh, operates differently in the world than the evils that exist. Mm -hmm. So in the book, there are four evils that they talk about. There's a dragon, and there's a couple of beasts, and there's a harlot. Um, And then uh, after that, it talks about how they're all destroyed um, and, and such. And one of the things... That, that the whole book tries to uh, instill in its readers, and I can't go into all of the details of this because that would be its own podcast, <laughs> um, but suffice it to say that the, the, the point of this is that how Jesus works in the world is fundamentally different, and it is a different way, not just in actions, but in the whole mentality of the process, mm-hmm. such that uh, it is the one who sacrifices himself and dies for the sake of others that turns out to be the winner and turns mm-hmm. out to be the one who, and, and the one who does it the, for lack of a better term, 
proper way. Right. Um, we know already that, because Nearty says so at the end, if, if we are, our positions were reversed, I wouldn't do what you're doing. Right. Um, and we also know, because they told us, and I think it's fair to say because we've seen it in her actions, that she's evil. Right. Certainly in the story, she is one of the personifications of evil. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the arguments that, I mean, so like Teal'c's argument is the pragmatic argument. Look, mm-hmm. we have her, she is a source of information, one child versus all of the information she has, no, no brainer. Right. O'Neill's information is, look, we have to be about doing things differently. We have to be about living and operating and finding our information differently. Because if we aren't different, then we are the same evil that we are trying to destroy. Right. And so he argues... Putting a pin in that one, but carry on. Fair enough. Uh, There's lots of pins in this one. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) uh, So, you know, he's like, we need to do things completely different. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so the way O'Neill needs to go about being a hero, seeking out the best for all. Right. uh, Cannot be one that so cavalierly lets, uh, in this case, uh, the, the death of Cassie stand. Because letting that happen would be allowing the, the systems of evil, which is represented by Nearty, right. uh, take root in them. And that's something he can't abide. That's, uh, I, see, I see what you're saying. I think my equivocating is based on... Uh, I think a reasonable fear, which may or may not play out in the course of the story. Um, also, this is just a story, but um, the fear is that O'Neill, etc., O'Neill at all might be feeling like they have more power and control than they do, and that in letting Nearty walk through that gate, they save one child but kill millions versus the other way around. Um, they save millions while killing one. And I don't mean to trot that out like some kind of like smarmy trolley problem. Like I don't, I'm not trying to say clearly millions of children surviving is better than one child surviving. You know, I'm not trying to be that guy. But the the gamble in letting Nirti go through that gate is that you are going to be able to stop her before she kills millions. And we might be at that point in the story. We might be in that point. I mean, goodness sakes, I can't tell you how many times I've complained about how terrible of a bad guy the ghouls really are. Like, they are thwarted so easily. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe he's right. Maybe she walks through that gate and they start hunting her down right away. And yeah, she bounced to a different place. You know what I mean? Like, she's trying to cover her tracks, but maybe our heroes are actually good at this game now. And they're able to... and, And... Right away, they're going to be on this person's heels. Um, that we save the character we love so much, and we're about ready to get near T again. Maybe, maybe not. Right? Like you know, like I get it. You told me a little bit about her story matters. So it could be later down the road that I see her, etc. So let me let me let me offer this. Yeah. Based on what uh, 
what SG-1 knows at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that, A, Nearty's bad. Okay. Yes. We know that she is willing to kill an entire group of people uh, for her own means, uh, purposes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also know that she is trying to create an advanced human host. Right. Uh, and her f- uh, modus operandi for that is through a, a something of an accelerated uh, evolutionary experiment. Mm-hmm. Now, unlike, say, Pelops in Brief Candle, right. uh, um, you know, which just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, <laughs> Intergenerational farming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Unlike right. Pelops so, in unlike Brief that, Candle. Um, right. You know, Nearty is clearly win- willing to wait decades, even centuries for this process. That's her modus operandi. Right. right. And so in that situation, uh, and, oh, and also we know that she is in the outs uh, when it comes to the system lords. The system lords right. don't like her. That's right. That's so, fair. So whatever she does out in the real world, she has right. to be on the down low with both the SGC and the system lords. Mm-hmm. And we know that her method of finding this, uh, unless something else can change, which at this point in time, from an SGC point of view, uh, you know, how do you prognosticate that? Right. You can't, right? So... If she continues in the same method, then then worst case scenario is she finds I another see. planet I like see. Hanka and yeah. starts a process that's going to take a couple of hundred years. And yeah. we already know that with with uh, with Cassie, this has been you know several generations in the process, and the best you can get her to do is spin a chess piece in the air, which admittedly is kind of impressive, while she nearly dies. So yeah. that's not a finished product. So th- all of these are the things that SG-1 knows. I will ad- fully admit that none of them are actually thinking all of this through. Oh, yeah. Sure. And None also, of we them might be are putting things in the A column and then putting other things in the B <laughs> column and comparing. <laughs> they're not doing. They're, they're they're totally going with their gut and yes. their instinct, which is exactly what a chaotic good character would do. Right. Um, right. That said, if we were to pare down what they know, this is what they know. And so, given that, what would you choose? Yeah, and I think, I think I'm hemming and hawing because I disagree with their choice, and that's okay. That's how we know we're different. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> like, we um, don't have to agree. Yeah. Um. Also, another thought mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. what if Cassie meant more to you than than she does? Um. In so much as, like, what if Brent really, really wanted Cassie the character to live? Um. What if you were Cassie's dad? Oh, 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 dude. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, I freely admit I have the privilege of looking at the situation as an observer mm-hmm. and uh, as a uh, 
as a person, you know what? Okay, let's. So let let me kind of put this into the mix too. Um, I know we're running along with our conversations, which is typical for us when we have philosophical things and when it's late. Um, True. I started this episode rolling my eyes a few times. I started this episode with, oh, geez, like here we got the typical rebellious teenager trope. So emotionally, it started at a low point for me. And so if it started off as a low point and we get to the spot where I, the observing person, sees the moral dilemma and says to myself, I mean, no, Cassie dying would be terrible, but come on, you've got Nearty as a prisoner who by definition means that she's not out there making more trouble or doing more damage and certainly not hampering your abilities, SGC, right? Like that, like that, that, that was sort of the, 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 the moral dilemma. Um, you asking the question, what if Cassie meant more to me? Would I be feeling the same way? Absolutely not, dude. Like I a hundred percent admit that, which I think brings it back to Fraser O'Neill, Carter. Those three people are emotionally attached to Cassie, and they were letting that emotional attachment make a you know I hate to make it sound like this a little I I kind of hate to make it sound like this. They let that emotional attachment influence a work decision. Like they have a job and their job is to be the vanguard of the protection of the entire planet against a group of aliens that wish to see them subjugated at best and destroyed at worst. And they let their personal emotions get in the way again. And that's something that I think that I'm seeing, hence me bringing it back to do I think that this was a mistake that the, like these characters are just getting out of whack? No, I think this is intentional. Like I have seen now in this episode, in the uh, creepy alien stalker dude episode. Um, that's Attention. just, I, yep. yep. I'm just coming off the top of my head, you know, and, and I, and I can't think of any, I, I, I struggle to think of more uh, examples. I do know last week we were talking about the tensions that are rising where, you know, with between O'Neill and Jackson, um, but right there, I'm seeing two examples of, oh yeah. And in this episode, I see Frazier like grab a quick acting, like, like trank gun or something and flip and knock a soldier out, lie to her. Yeah. Hammond told me to be here, you know, lie to the guard, punk, knock him out to pull a gun on Nearty. And sure you know mother's rage like you know i'm 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 willing to kind of let it go a little bit but i keep seeing examples of this crew uh acting out basically um and it's starting to wear on me hmm. and and it's not bad like when I think of this episode in that light, I'm thinking positively. I, it's starting to wear on me. I don't like the direction the characters are going. However, I'm invested, right? There's a reason I care. It's because I'm invested. And um, gnawing on this thing is, a, is, is, a, is only happening because I actually care what happens with these characters. If I didn't care, they'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. They're doing their thing. Um 
And so therefore I view that kind of tension as, a, as actually a, a net positive um, uh, on the situation. But I don't, I don't know if I can get behind the bandwagon that says SG-1 knows what they're doing, just let them be heroes. Hmm. Um, and I'm putting that with a big giant asterisk next to it because I get it. That's the flipping show. <laughs> like <laughs> the show is called Stargate SG one, not Stargate rules and procedures. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I, 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 am acknowledging it. And if, and if, uh, if the, if the entire SGC turns into a, a, a procedures and, uh, you know, like protocol organization top to bottom, it wouldn't be adventuresome. Like, I'm acknowledging the inherent flaw in that desire to be like, you guys should follow the rules more. But um, it's, it's, it's intriguing to me. I'm enjoying the tension is basically what I'm driving at. That's a very long-winded way of saying I'm enjoying the tension. But I don't know if it's me putting tension into it or if there's actually tension that is being written into the story at this point. And, and again, that's a statement that you can't react to because, yeah. you know. So I'm you know, trying like, to trying to figure out how I can say what I'm thinking. Sure. Um, in a lot of episodic television, you see this especially in something like Star Trek, the original series. Mm -hmm. um, basically, everything at the end of the episode resets to zero. Right. And so decisions that I make in episode one have no bearing on episode eight, and decisions I make in episode eight are completely forgotten about by episode 13. Mm -hmm. um, and that is not Stargate. Now, there are some episodes along the way that are utterly forgettable. Uh, some of them we want to forget. Emancipation. Mm -hmm. Frankly, <laughs> Brief Candle could be forgotten as well. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, So there are plenty of episodes along the way that are 100% standalone and have no relevance beyond, you know, just sure. developing yes. the, the general milieu of the character's profile. Mm -hmm. um, but that is not generally how SG-1, or how the TV show Stargate SG-1 operates. Yeah. Right? So what I can say then is, for better or for worse, um... Decisions and actions have consequences. Good. And I like we to hear that. get to see them uh, as the show progresses. Okay. Yes. Um, I... I imagine you're on real thin ice right now. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I, 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 it's so hard not to, to, to talk about things that I know... And not to imply things that I don't necessarily it's, want to and imply. So, so I think you can. I think you can leave it there because I think I bet you dollars to donuts. Listeners to the show to our podcast right now are sitting here just like gnawing on something. Like <laughs> they've got something, and they're 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 hearing you carefully choose your words and they're probably marveling at your ability to communicate a ton to them while communicating next to nothing to me. Um. So, you know, I will I will preliminarily offer their thanks to you, Zach. Or oh, congratulations, well, I should you. say. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm and I'm a hundred percent fine with 
being in the moment with this one, right? Where right. am I at in the moment with this one? It's that it's, it's yeah, like, you know, the, the short version is I don't like where the characters are going. That's the super short version. Does that mean something bad for Brent? Absolutely not. Nope. It's wonderful. It's, it's a signal. I am into this. I care. I care. I'm watching these characters and I'm like, no, don't do that. I mean, I get why you're doing it. It's in keeping. I've been watching you develop this way this whole time, but no, don't do that. It's great. It's great. Awesome. It's a good time. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. We need to shift gears. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> um, everybody's going to look at this and like, what the heck? <laughs> So, I thought this was one that you could just ignore. No, 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 friends. No, no. So, I ask you, Brent. Yes. As you look at your own personal rite of passage. Yeah. Or at least this episode. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I don't need to know how nice. many chevrons you give your personal rite of passage. Oh, man, I, I give it eight. You kidding me? How many chevrons that you give this rite of passage. Yeah. All right. So, when it first kicked off, I was not really jamming on it and then when i like i said i was kind of confused as like kind of what am i like what am i supposed to do with the story which which point of view am i supposed to be really watching it and then by the time i got to the end of it i was like eh, what what just happened in thinking about it some more and being allowing it to become more complex right for good reasons or bad um i have enjoyed making it more complex and in talking with you I'm recognizing that by definition, you have been unable to say much in the form of meaningful reaction because my enjoyment is pretty much dependent on where this thing goes in future episodes. But even that alone is still increasing the joy that I'm having in talking about this episode. Um, it started off kind of meh, but by the time we got done talking about it, I'm kind of like, you know, yeah, I had a good time talking about this one. So I'm going to give this like a provisional five out of seven. Um, but it's provisional because if if what ends up happening is that this story turns into something that I forget about and then later remember, oh, yeah, that's right. I had a great time thinking about this one. I gave it a five, but turns out like didn't really matter. I'm going to be mad. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be very disappointed. Um, so high marks for now, for sure. Um, but again, in the same way that I had high marks for last week's episode, but appreciated how somebody might disagree with me fervently. Again, I'm kind of in the same boat. Five out of seven, but I can definitely see somebody going, meh, three, move along. Yeah. Okay. How about you? What do you, what um, do you give it? So I, I find this interesting um, <laughs> because if you listen to our conversation, uh, one would assume that I like this episode much more than you. Uh, <laughs> I find this interesting because um, you know, uh, the, the, the moral <laughs> problems that you have with uh, their decision at the end, yeah. while I understand your point of view, I think it would be even worse for them uh, to say, nope, we're going to uh, let Cassie die for the sake of what knowledge we may or may not be able to get out of uh, Nearty. Uh, I Dude. find that rather reprehensible because you have uh, something that you know you can solve against something that uh, you might get some information, maybe. I never said that they would be, they'd be able to live with that consequence. I'm just saying. Fair enough. That, um, uh, yeah. But uh, so all of that has to, you know, uh, I, I find this fascinating because 
uh, I, I mentioned at the beginning of my comments that I kind of thought this is kind of a meh, whatever episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after I watched it today, I'm like, hey, this is better than I thought. Uh, which means that this episode is actually for me a four and a half. Uh huh. Um, which, <laughs> but we came at it from completely different less angles. Less <laughs> than yours. Admittedly, yours is a provisional. Yes. Um, you know. Uh, so I, I, I don't. I just like, huh? There it is. <laughs> there it is. But again, but so that's why I was interested that Heather Ash wrote it because I distinctly recall every time that we talk about a teleplay that she did. Um, I loved learning curve just flat yes. out loved it and then yes. the other ones that she wrote i mean they were the, the scores were around you know they they bounced around but i do remember that one thing that has been consistent is that her shows ask very interesting questions or at least treat the subject matter in a way that gets me th- thinking about it and i love that i love that love it yep well uh, are you ready to listen to some predictions? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, I can. This is going to be great. Yeah. Uh, now I just got to get my phone to actually load Facebook. Unless, unless by great, what actually it is is that it's consistent. Like branch, you're full of hooey. It's blah. You know, like if everybody in the world says, "Oh yeah, no, this is this is three and a half." Like <laughs> then, then it might be not so great. But we'll see. Okay. Yeah, it'll be great. What am I talking about? So, here we go. Um, because this was, well, I think in part because we were at a, a weird spot. Yeah. Um, uh, we didn't get as many as... Yeah, that makes um, sense. That totally uh, as makes we sense. could have. However, we have Evan. Hi, Evan. Evan says this. Is Evan new? This episode reminds me how improbable it is that the Air Force is so successful at covering up the Stargate program. Just like mm-hmm. most of the off-base Earth episodes do, it also reminds us of how little of the personal lives of the main cast we actually see. Like, we know Jack seems to like beer, grilling meats, watching The Simpsons, <laughs> and stargazing. Daniel collects artifacts <laughs> yes. and reads. Samantha hangs yes. out with Cassie, does vehicle yes. stuff and sciences, and Teal'c <laughs> naps and does martial arts. Really, that's just a small look into any of their lives, but... In any case, my thought is that as a Cassandra story, both of the guys will have a soft spot for it. So six sure. is all around. Hey, the not, one part yeah, that's that a, bugs not me is idea. that Cassie doesn't show up again. Oh, well, there you mm. go. There you go. Um, especially considering certain spoilers. Um, I had held out hope that... <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So... I had held out hope that there'd be some follow-up to Cassie's appearance at the future SGC in 1969. You remember that? 1969. Um, hmm. They go... So, 1969, they go back to the 1960s. Yes, yes. Uh, and then they shoot uh, back to the... At the very end, they, they shoot into the future, the far future. Uh, and they're like, oh, that's where right. are we? That was Cassie as an old woman. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, so, that's yeah. what he's talking about here. Yeah, that's um, right. Presumably, Samantha hangs out with Cassie regularly. Seems like a missed opportunity. So, he says yep. sixes. A um, little high for us. So, yeah, but, I mean, it, keeping in the vein of, you know, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Like, how we all got here. Is, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. all took very different routes. Absolutely, we did. <laughs> so, Kimberly begins by predicting Hi, that, Kimberly. Brent, you will give this four. Ooh, close. And that I will give it five. Uh, I, yeah. 
flip us around it's a little a bit. It's a decent episode, she says, uh-huh. where we get a peek into the daily lives of SG-1. Some old plot threads become relevant again, and the buildup of Nearty likely fills Zach with glee. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We, I didn't really give you a chance to kind of get into that. I, I was too busy like being all like, moral dilemma. Yeah. So, um, very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, spin those numbers around, and, and I, I just find it fascinating that, that you would even provisionally give it a five. But hey, awesome! It's it has everything to. If I've got to chew on a moral question, I will continue. The longer I chew on it, the higher I will rate something. Fair enough. Lisa says, "Hi, Lisa. Is Lisa so, new? No, Lisa was here last week. Oh, Lisa was here last time. Hi, Lisa. So Lisa was the last time was her first time. This is her yes. second." Yes. So, yes, welcome again, Lisa. Uh, so, this is an okay episode, which gets extra bonus points for the return of Cassie and us mm-hmm. getting to see uh, Janet go all badass on Nearty. Uh, yes. I'm going to go... Uh, that uh, was tr- yes, that was, yep. that was pretty fun. I'm going to go for a five for Zach and a six from Brent. Brent gets hey. the extra chevron purely because we know he loves all things Bane, and this is a water pister girl after all. Ha, 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 ha. You're not too far off. All right. Oh, that was good. So, so those were our uh, uh, Facebook, and then of course yeah. David uh, sends us an email, and he's like, Hi, "Ah, David. Zach and Brent are recording early bias buffer." <laughs> yes. Got to pull off the you dust off the cobwebs of the thinking. I don't know where I'm going. With that never mind. It's yeah, late. Okay. It's- so he says. A suspiciously older Cassie is the result of go-old experiments. Whatever. Sure. Yep. <laughs> nerdy. Nerdy. Not nerdy, but nerdy. Nerdy. <laughs> you know, as Yes, because that's because, yeah, because, yeah, Jack Nerdy screwed it is up, behind yeah. it all. No surprise yes. there, except for me possibly forgetting she wasn't dead yet. Wait, who now? This is David. David says. Oh, David. For, okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they forgot to turn on the detect invisible things coming through the gate device that they've right? had ever since the Ritu incident. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, they pulled out the TERs, but I in mean, theory, there's a TER that's aimed at the gate. But Which, they, yes, yes. Agreed. Agreed. They make a deal with the devil slash Gulwuld for Cassie's life. Yawn. Yeah. I, I think mean, some other stuff happened to maybe, I don't know. As you can tell, he says, <laughs> I was not overly impressed by this episode. It's better than Emancipation or Bane, but no, it's just not, not top-tier Stargate. It's fine, but forgettable, and I think Zach and Brent will agree, unless they find some deep philosophical discussion about letting Bingo! Nerdy continue her <laughs> evil experiments in exchange for cu- curing Cassie. Huh. Huh. <laughs> huh. It's like he listens to the show or something. So... <laughs> He says, a generous four stars from both Brent and Zach because of Aunt Sam and a look into the private life of Dr. Frazier. Close yeah, on the scores. You, you, you know, David, you, you, I mean, I didn't read this until now, but you kind of predicted our conversation in a lot of Basically. ways. Basically, yes, yes. Um, so, yep. uh, well done. Yeah, well done, David, on that one. Congratulations. So... Yeah, I, I was vacillating between a four and a four and a half, and and I decided to give it fully a, a one chevron boost from right in the center. Yes, but <laughs> yep. So, 
Uh, in any case, that was our ratings. Nice. Thank you, everybody. That's pretty great. So, Brent. Yeah. The next episode of SG-1 mm-hmm. is entitled Beast of Burden. Hmm. And I ask you, what is Beast of Burden all about? Man, why do I do this to myself? Like, here we are at the end of the, rec- of the recording. I'm an old man. I need to go to bed. I'm so tired, Zach. Oh, How am I going to come up with something clever and funny about Beast of Burden? Um, Beast of Burden. I don't know. Let's just, let's just start talking and see if something happens. All right. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. On this world, they are discovering an artificial life form. In fact, all the life forms that they see on this world are artificial. This entire planet seems to be populated by mechanical life forms. It strikes them as something familiar, similar to the life forms that were developed by, come try a guy, I can't remember his name. Harlan. Harlan, of course, how can I forget Harlan? Um, It strikes them as similar to the life forms that were developed by Harlan on his planet, but indeed, every creature is like this. The birds in the air, the skittering creatures on the ground, including, including these larger animals that seem peculiarly docile. Maybe this is a fantastic opportunity to expand the repertoire of equipment that is used by the SGC in their fight against the Gua'uld. So they decide to take a couple of these creatures back through the gates to Earth with them, only to find out that the beasts have been programmed to make trouble and destroy things and be burdensome because they are (laughs) beasts of burden and it's a burden to have them in the SGC because it's a not a barn it's a military base join us next time on Stargate SG-1 beasts no not beasts beast of burden ah see so uh, yeah so what what you completely got wrong um, yeah. Was like, like they did not bring two beasts from this other planet, uh, artificial or otherwise, to the SGC. They didn't do that. Uh huh. <laughs> they, they only brought one back. Well, if they brought anything back, it would have only been one because it was just a beast. It was just a beast. Shall we watch the promo? Be, they'll never be their beast of burden. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, Let's okay. watch this promo. So, all right. Here. Oh wait, just I got to pull it up. Up, oh, right. Yep, yep. Okay, I have it ready. Okay. Are uh, you, you ready? Yes. I'm hitting go now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. <gasps> hey! While remotely observing Shaka the Unas, Daniel Jackson makes a shocking discovery. Oh, no. Uh-oh. What now? What would they want with an Unas? I don't know. But I'd like to find out. I also think it might be relevant to investigate how these men got new weapons and from where. They oh. soon find out oh. Shaka and the oh, other no. Unas are being sold as slaves. He can haul any cart with any load, any distance. And the most respected dealer of Unas in this land. Generations ago, the beasts enslaved our forefathers through terror and depression. They served the one with the glowing eyes. 
But when a rescue mission fails, will there be any hope for SG-1 and the Uis? Oh no! Uh-oh. It's all next time on Stargate oh. SG-1. Are we gonna kick some slave traders' butt? I hope so. Uh, well that has nothing to do with mechanical beasts. That's true. That is true. There there aren't really mechanical beasts in this episode. I'm sorry. Nope, there's Unas. Is it is that um was that uh was that was that my dude? That was Shaka, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. Shaka. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is uh what's his face playing him again? Can't remember the guy's name. That's I him. I think so. I'd yeah. have to look at I'd have to look again, but I'm pretty nice. certain that Dion is back as Shaka in that episode. Nice. I am so. looking forward to it. So uh, that is Beast of Burden. Uh, give special thanks to David for putting those you, promos David. together for us. Yeah. Uh, enjoy them every time. Every time. Uh, so, dear listeners, this episode has been filled with lots of conversation, lots of things to think about, lots of things to chew on, lots of things to process as you look at your own rites of passage and mm-hmm. this particular rite of passage uh, tell us what you think. You can email us at walking to the stargate at gmail.com. You can uh, talk to us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. You can go to the Facebook and start a Facebook thread in the Facebook group, Walking Through Stargate, and have a conversation about all of this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to hear it. Uh, let us know where we got it right. Let us know yeah. where we got it wrong. Do yeah. you agree more with Brent? Do you agree more with me? There's a yeah. lot of places you can go with this one. Yeah. We give you a lot of insertion points on this one. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I hope you enjoyed and give us, forgive us for a slightly longer episode, but I think it was worth it. And, uh, um, yeah, with that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. The, not a... Uh, the not a Stargate. no not yeah yeah the mm-hmm, yes see you next time <laughs> bye Carter, dial it up get these people home <laughs>